Welcome to Hauser Community Church Online. Let's join Pastor as the Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts and unpacks the Word of God for us. After the message, we'll tell you how to contact us. Father God, we thank you, Lord, and we love you. Father, thank you for being full of grace and loving us when we don't deserve it. God, we love you, and we are thankful for the secure hope we have for the future, not just here in this broken world, but the promise you've given us for eternity. Help us to stay heavenly focused and not earthly. Lord, when we lose sight that you are all-powerful, all-knowing, and fully in control, we can get anxious. Lord, I pray that you help calm us, and in so doing, help us develop a greater trust in you today than we had yesterday. Lord, I ask that you refine us, and through your inner peace and our outward behavior, we might draw people to a closer relationship with you. Father, please forgive us. We fail you, Lord. We don't always honor you with our thoughts and our actions. Lord, we are a broken people, and sadly it shows. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for what you did for us. Thank you for paying the price for me, Lord, in advance while I was still walking away from you. Thank you for lovingly accepting us with open arms the moment we turn to you. Help us to keep our sinless short. Help us be quick to be accountable for our shortcomings and confess and ask you for your forgiveness. Lord, help our hearts stay open to your leading and our focus on you. Father, as a nation, we desperately need you. I pray for our leadership, and I ask that you might open the eyes of those who appear to be blind to you. I pray you would help us change directions, help us not to be motivated by greed and to seek truth and honor. Father, please heal our land. Father, I also wanna pray for our community. I pray for the homeless, and those experiencing financial insecurity. I pray for opportunity for those struggling, and I pray you help us to seek opportunity for ways that we can help. Help us to love our neighbors effectively. Help them to know that we are your children by how we love them. Help us to be generous. Father, as a church, we praise you. Lord, you continually show us your faithfulness. And I thank you for progress for those who love and have been struggling with sickness and disease. Lord, we've been praying for people, some specifically by name, and you've shown great um, faithfulness in healing and progress. So we thank you for that. Father, I also just want to pray for the hurting, the people that are dealing with grief, that are dealing with uh, people nearing uh, the end of their life. Um, Lord, I pray that you just comfort them and bring them peace as you, um, as you do what you're going to do, Lord, and we trust you. Father, I lift up Pastor Greg to you, and I pray that his back surgery brings him the relief from pain that he needs so desperately, and I pray that you might heal him quickly. Please encourage him while he heals and help him to effectively balance ministry, family, and healing. Father, I also want to personally thank you for sending Kai and Christy and family to us. I pray for wisdom, endurance, and encouragement for him as he develops our youth ministries and help us to raise up disciples that want to bravely follow you. 
Right now, Lord, as he gets ready to fill in for Greg, I pray that you give him the calmness and the confidence he needs as he unpacks your word for us. Lord, we praise you and we love you. And I ask all these things in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Children, kids, you are now dismissed to go to Kids Church. And um, Kai, welcome. And we're looking forward to hearing what you have for us today. Well, good morning. Um, continuing on then in the book of Acts, it is uh, my privilege and uh, joy to get to continue with you guys and, and um, yeah, like Tim prayed, unpack God's word here with you. Um, yeah, so thanks for praying for me, Tim. So yeah, if you guys want to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 3. Um, so far in the book of Acts... We have seen uh, Jesus resurrected, okay? He appeared to his disciples. He told his disciples, um, stay in Jerusalem. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit um, and, and wait for the Holy Spirit. You will receive power from on high. And we see at Pentecost, they received the power of the Holy Spirit. And in response, uh, you see Peter preach this spirit-empowered sermon. Um, and the results thereof is that the church um, gathered and we're told that they devoted themselves to the teaching, to the fellowship. They were breaking bread together. Awe came upon them. Um, and they were together. They shared their possessions. Um, they encouraged one another. They ate together. And they did it all with glad and generous hearts. And we're told in verse 47 that the Lord added to their number day by day um, those were, who were being saved. What an awesome picture of the church. Um, and... And that we get to come together and we get to encourage one another. We get to do life together um, and, and just rejoice in the gift of the gospel um, that we have. Um, but the picture, it does not end there. Um, the idea is that from there we also go. So we gather and we go. And we'll get to see a lot of that going on in chapter 3 here. Um, Greg talks about how, how the Lord continues to grow his kingdom through the transformed lives of believers. Um, we're going to just continue to see that. And we're going to see that on top of that, that, that comes through the preaching of Christ and him crucified. Um, I told, so I've, ne I've never preached in a main gathering. Um, and I've always wondered if one day I would. And when I, when I thought about that, I thought I will never use a football metaphor um, or a football <laughs> illustration. And I thought, and I definitely won't do it during football season. Um, and so start studying, and the Lord brings to mind a football illustration. Um, so you guys will have to bear with me. I don't even play football. Um, but I want you guys to get this bizarre picture in your head, okay? A football team, I mean, a healthy football team at least, is going to huddle up, um, they're going to make a play, and then they're going to go out and they're going to execute the play on the field. That's just what you do. That's how you gain yards. That's how you're going to win the game and be on the same page. The church does that too, but I want you to think about this um, unhealthy football team that goes and they huddle up, and they keep huddling up, and they stay huddled up, and it, eventually it's like, dude, are you guys going to go out onto the field and are you guys going to gain yardage, or are you going to stay, stay there? Because they just run down the clock, they would never gain yardage, and they'd be the losing team. Uh, God says... I want you guys to huddle up, church. I want you to encourage one another. I want you guys to make a play, but don't let it in there. I want you guys to go, and I want you to gain souls for the kingdom. And don't just sit and run down the clock. Don't just wait for, for me to come back. Be busy as, as, as you wait for me, and, and be encouraged as you see me add 
day by day, um, numbers to the church of those who are being saved. Um, so we will work through that. We're going to see that unpacked here in chapter 3. But before we do that, um, can we bow our heads and pray together? Lord, um, yeah, you are powerful. You are glorious. You are good. You are a creator. You are a sustainer, the author and finisher of our faith. Lord, and, and I just thank you for the encouraging news that, that you are uh, singly devoted to your glory. And so I just pray that this morning you would glorify your name as we look what it means uh, to live out your salvation, Lord, um, to live out this calling that you've placed on us. Lord, give us uh, hearts to hear, give us ears to, to listen to what you have to say to us this morning, and just pray that you would accomplish your purposes in the, in the church. So we thank you that you are um, true to do that. Lord, and, and we can trust you for it in your name. Amen? Amen. So, yeah, so throughout this chapter, we're going to see um, God's purpose and salvation. So we're going to kind of zoom in and, and see this, um, this man, this lame beggar who was saved, um, and then what he does in response, and then we'll see um, God's purpose there, then we'll see God's power, how he saves in Christ, and then we'll see um, that it's been God's plan throughout all of the ages and through the prophets that um, this is how it was supposed to be, okay? So that's purpose, and then that's power, and that's plan, all centering on God's um, salvific work, okay? So starting in verse 1 through 11, we're going to see that God saves people to be a living proclamation of salvation to a watching world, okay? Um, starting in verse 1 through 2. Um, if you guys read with me, it says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour of prayer, um, at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask alms of those entering the temple. Um, so, so Peter and John would have been totally familiar um, with Jesus' words that he shared with the woman at the well in John 4, 21 through 24. So she, Jesus comes to this Samaritan woman who's drawing water, and um, he points out some sin in her life, um, and she's uncomfortable with it. And uh, she seeks to change the subject. She says, uh, well, isn't this a matter of worship? Are we supposed to worship in Jerusalem? Or are we supposed to worship here in, in Samaria? And uh, Jesus gets pointed with her and says, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship in, uh, the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So they would have been familiar with Jesus' words there. Um, and then they would have known that just like Jesus said, that time is here. They have received the gift of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling ministry in their heart. Um, and, and they, wherever they go, um, have the presence of the Creator God living inside of their heart. It, um, they didn't have to go to the temple to offer sacrifices. God's presence didn't dwell in the Holy of Holies anymore. Um, but God saw fit to make up His uh, residence in the disciples' heart. They would have known that, yet they're still going to the temple, we see in verse 1. And it begs the question, why are they doing that? And I think that it um, shows their intentionality um, in what they're doing with the gospel. 
Okay, they're going to the place where people need to hear the gospel the most. They are not um, staying in their Christian bubble. They could just continue gathering and be encouraged and filled and, um, by the teaching of the Lord. And the, but instead they say, all right, now that we've been filled by Jesus, where are we going to go um, so that we can pour over God's love into the lives of those around us? Um, they were very intentional. Are we? Do we um, intentionally go to the places where we know that people need to hear the gospel? Or do we stay in our Christian meal groups? Or do we stay in our Bible studies? Or do we stay at, at church on Sunday and, and turn a blind eye to the places where people need to hear the gospel? Um, there are, um, it's easy to do that, but we are surrounded um, by people that need to be transformed. Because we need to be transformed, and we get to be a living proclamation to those people that the Lord is the one who transforms. The Lord is the one that satisfies our every desire and our every need. Okay, so in verse 2, we see that God um, sets them up to bless their intentions. That they say, okay, we're going to go, Lord, we're going to be obedient. And then God puts this lame man in their path, sitting there and asking for alms. Okay? And moving on to verse 3, we're going to see that, that Peter and John don't miss the opportunity and that God um, is faithful to fulfill his purposes. Um, in verse 3, if you guys will read with me, it says, Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he, that is the lame beggar, asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Okay, something that, that um, we want to notice here is not only that Peter and John were willing to step into God's purposes, um, but they did it through making eye contact with this lame beggar. Probably on a day-to-day -day basis, it would be a very busy time in the temple. People would have just passed by and said, there's that lame beggar again. He's always there. He always will be there and not paid them a second um, of attention. But they said, look at us. Let's make eye contact. Let me recognize you as a person, as a fellow human being, as a co-sinner, but a co-recipient of God's grace. Look at us. Let's talk. Let me make time for you. Um, and I would imagine they probably had a conversation, asked them their name, pressed in to this man as another person beloved by God. And, and we've been here for about four months, and it doesn't take long to notice that there are a lot of people in Coos Bay, North Bend, who would probably identify more with the person, the, with the lame beggar here, than they would with Peter and John, who say, I have this, this void, I have this hole, I have this desire, I have problems, I have needs. Um, Man, give me something. Not Give me gold and silver to try and fix this. Give me something to fix this need. I don't, I don't know if it's my uh, demeanor or my age or whatever, but I get asked for drugs all the time by people. <laughs> like, hey, man, you got drugs. And, and, and when that happens, like, uh, God gives wisdom to look past. Like, you don't want drugs, man. It's not going to fix um, the problem, what you deeply, deeply want is to be renewed by God's grace. Um, and that's what, that's what Peter and John said. They said, we don't have any silver and gold. Like, I keep all my money on a debit card, they might say. But what I do have is I have the message of the kingdom. 
And what we have is the message of the kingdom. When we go forth, we can make eye contact with those people with full confidence, knowing that we have the message that's going to fix their problems and fix their woes and save their soul. We have what they're truly looking for, whether they want it or not. And when we carry that kingdom confidence into our day-to-day base, into our day-to-day lives, man, we want to look at that person. We want to make eye contact. We want to invite them and have a conversation with them. I mean, even if God doesn't see fit to save them right then and there on the spot, then that kingdom confidence can at least give us uh, an opportunity to give them a hearty kingdom, hello, good day, how you doing, and be listening to them, to reach out and to know the person. Point, but I will, the fringe. Um, And I don't think that I need to make this point, but I will anyway, that this is not a kingdom confidence that says, I'm better than you. I have this message, you don't have it. You want it there. It's not, that's not the attitude. This is kingdom confidence that says, you're a beggar, guess what? So am I. I'm a beggar of God's grace. And you may not know it yet, but you are too. Let's beg together because God wants to fulfill that desire and God wants to fulfill his plans and purposes uh, through the preaching of the gospel to them and to us. Okay? Um, in the next spot, we see, we see that Peter and John um, are generous with the kingdom. We said they don't pass by. They said, I don't have silver and gold, but here, I'm giving you this message. So we need to be confident and generous. We, we need to sow gospel seed everywhere that we go. Okay. Um, in verse 7, 11, you guys can read with me. We're going to see that God's purposes in saving the lame beggar um, prevail. Verse 7 says, And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking with God, or uh, walking and praising God, and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Okay? Results, couple, couple results here. We have results of the kingdom message in the life of the love in the people. We also have results of the kingdom message um, and the results thereof in the people that were watching. Okay? Um, it says that the results in the beggar was that he got up and he was walking and leaping and praising God. That song, maybe you guys have heard it, walking and leaping and praising God. Have you guys heard that song? We sing it to Una sometimes. Yeah, One, wonderful, wonderful song. And that should be the song of our heart, right? Um, compare that for a second um, to this song. Moping and weeping and blaming God. How do those get? No, that's not the pattern of our life as believers that have been redeemed by Jesus and made brand new. We walk, we leap, and we praise God. We don't mope and blame God. And how do we guard against that? Because that can be a problem. We can, we can very quickly fall into this pattern of, oh man, this, this is not what I expected. This is not the house I expected to live in. This is not the car that I expected to drive. I didn't think I was supposed to have marital tension. I didn't, I didn't think that I was supposed to have these ongoing sin struggles. I thought that you were going to fix all that, Lord. Where are you at? Where are you coming through? If that's our attitude... And that is my attitude at many times. Man, we got to preach the gospel to ourselves regularly. When we look in the mirror, we say, man, I was lame. Universe says, now I am walking. I was dead. I've been made alive. The God of the universe has called me into his kingdom. He now has a plan and a purpose for my life. 
He is with me always to comfort me, to care for me, to pour into me. He, he welcomes my worship. He hears my prayers. He responds. That's, that's the gospel. And we preach that to ourselves every day. And if we do that, then our pattern of our life is inevitably going to be walking, leaping, and praising God, just like the lame man. This lame man will do that as well. Stay rooted in the gospel. Stay preaching the gospel um, to ourselves. And I think it's important to know also the response of the people that were watching. A busy hour at the temple, people saw this happening. They knew it was the guy that was by the gate that they passed all the time. And it says that they had wonder and amazement at what had happened to them. So here's what's going on here. Is, is, is God heals this man, he worships in response, and then people see it and they say, that's crazy. What's going on there? I have so many questions. I'm amazed. I need to know why that guy is walking. I need to know why that guy is praising the God of the universe. And that's God's purpose in saving each one of us. Maybe we don't have like a, a super thorough theology. Maybe we don't have the answers to every single problem that a person has. But man, we have the testimony that I was lame and now I walk. I was blind and now I see. And we can say, man, that puts God's glory on display because it wasn't me that bucked up and saved myself. It was the God of the universe that spoke into my life and saved me. And he wants to save you too. It's like a fireworks show. That's what God wants to do with your life. He wants to make a fireworks show so that other people will stop and say, oh, what? That is so beautiful. What is going on there? I have questions for them or I have questions for some other Christian that I know in my life. That's the purpose that God wants to um, save us to. Okay? Uh, moving on, verse 12 through 16, uh, we see God's power in salvation. Okay? And we're going to see that God's power doesn't rest on Peter and John's abilities, but it rests on his servant, his son, on Christ alone. Okay? So we'll read verse 11 and 12. It says, While he, uh, the lame man, clung to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's Astounded. So this would have been um, inside the temple gate. This is on the east wall, and it would have been like a covered porch with with pillars. Jesus, uh, during his earthly ministry, um, spent some time there preaching, and the early church um, regularly gathered there. And so they go there, and they were astounded. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own piety or our own power we have made this uh, man walk? Peter and John recognize that, that um, they had the wrong picture here. Um, that, that they weren't, they didn't have their, um, <laughs> yeah, I, w- I want you to imagine that uh, you guys came in and uh, I made someone heal and I said, but I didn't do it, Jesus, it was all me. You guys, what the heck are you talking about? Um, you guys would be filled with wonder. That's what was going on there. They looked at Peter and John. They said, you guys must have done that. And they said, no, we didn't do it. And they were quick to pass the glory to God and say, God is the one that healed this man. Okay? Um, which is what they should do, is what they did and what they should do. Um, the Christian life, I teach this with the youth group, it's like a game of hot potato. Have you guys ever heard of hot potato? 
you cook a potato in the oven and you pull the potato out um, with your bare hands and it's really hot. And what are you going to do with it? You have two choices. You can hold on to it and it's going to burn your hands terribly or oh, you pass it to your, your friend. And then, oh, he passes it to his friend. And, oh, he passes it to his friend until the potato eventually cools off. And that's what Peter and John are, are doing here. They say, wow, Peter and John, you guys are awesome. You guys are glorious. And they go, oh, not me. I'm going to pass it to God. And God would grab it, and then he would pass it to the, Jesus would pass it to the Father. The Father passes it to the Son. The Son passes it back to the Father. It's an eternal game of hot potato that's playing. And, and really, that's, that's a good way to to, to in, enjoy things, things that are more enjoyed, not by holding on to it, by just passing it to the Lord. And that's what they do. We didn't heal this man. Um, verse 13 through 16, they say, The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, and the God of our fathers glorified his servant, Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. They say, the God that you guys know, the God that you are familiar with, the God from the Old Testament scriptures, it's him that did it through his servant, Jesus. And by the way, this is the servant that you guys delivered over to Pilate when Pilate wanted to release him. Um, and this word here, servant, um, would call immediately to mind Isaiah 52 and 53. Um, referring to Jesus in that way. In Isaiah 52, 13, it says, Behold my servant, that's the same title, the servant of Yahweh shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. High and lifted up on the cross, exalted through the resurrection. That's what Isaiah says about the coming Messiah, about the coming Christ. We get a little more picture in Isaiah 53, verse 3. It says, uh, this, this man, the servant of Yahweh, Jesus, he was despised and rejected by man a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And so they would have known that. And then, and then Peter drives it home. He says, rejected by men, you guys are those men. Boom, shot to the heart. Whoa, um, what are you talking about? And, and in verse 14, he makes it very clear what he's talking about. He says, but you denied the holy and righteous one, that is Jesus, and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. And to this, we are witnesses. So you guys know the story that at Passover, it was, um, it was common practice to release one prisoner to the people. And uh, there, was, there was Jesus and there was Barabbas. And Pilate said, I don't find any guilt in this man. I want to release uh, Barabbas. Who do you guys want? And they cried out in one voice, give us Barabbas. What do I do with Jesus? Crucify him, they said all of them, in one unanimous voice. And, and in no uncertain terms, Peter and John point back to that event and say, you guys killed the very person that just gave this man his, um, his legs back under him, this very man that is walking and leaping and praising God. God's very power um, at work, you guys killed him. The author of life, you crucified him. But it didn't end there. He was resurrected. And we saw this, and we were witnesses of it. Okay. In verse 16, it says, and, and his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. He's saying it's the man that you guys crucified. Um, it's by his name. And this is more than just the actual 
uh, name of Jesus. This is like the person of Jesus. Everything that he's about, everything that he is, um, his power and his gloriousness, that's, that's what gave this man the perfect health that he's speaking of. Okay? Um, Jesus' name did not work like, like, a, um, like a magic spell or something where they can just drop the name and then, and then he's raised. And he says, by faith in his name, they say. So that's faith of Peter and John, that they were generous with the kingdom, that they made eye contact, that they stepped into God's purposes. Okay, there's this inward convincing that God is at work and, and, and gave that opportunity to the man who got into it. They offer the kingdom to him and the man responds. And there's faith in the man who gets up and he doesn't say, okay, thanks, I'm going home. Thanks for healing me. It's, okay, now I'm gonna praise God. That's faith in action, worshiping God. And so there's faith on Peter and John's part, and there's faith in the man, and it's through that faith, okay, in Jesus' name, his person, his power, that made that man strong. Okay, so we're, so we're at a crossroads here. Okay, we can do uh, one of two things. We can say, they crucified Jesus Messiah, or we can say, so what does this mean for me? What's, what's, the, what's the point here? Okay, um, and... So how do we, as a church body, and maybe you guys have heard this um, song as well, um, the lyrics, I won't try and sing the tune. It's a hard song to sing. Uh, it says, I, ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was all accomplished. How can we wholeheartedly sing that? I wasn't there 2,000 years ago, right? I didn't, I didn't call out, crucify him. In fact, I kind of believe about myself that if I was there, I wouldn't say crucify him. Are you guys sure about that? Maybe I would have been that guy. But it's not, it's not the case. Somehow, in some way, I participated in that. I said, give us the murderer. Um, how? Okay. And so before we press into that, I, we can reaffirm with Scripture that the death that Jesus died, he died to sin once for all. Jesus is not re-crucified every time we sin. He was crucified in the past. It's done. It's finished, he declared at the cross. But it is our ongoing sin that will crucify him there. Okay? And it's not so different than with Adam and Eve in the garden. So this was the appeal to Adam and Eve in the garden. Okay? The serpent said to Eve, oh, your eyes are going to be open. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. You no longer have to be content with being made in the image of God. You no longer have to be content with serving God or just professing to know him. But you can be God yourself. You can define good. You can be the king of the garden. Doesn't that sound good to you, he might say? And, and they said, yeah, that sounds good. Okay, John, in John 12, 42, speaking of the unbelief of the people, he says, nevertheless, many even of the authorities believed in him. So this is like a, like a head knowledge of him. Okay, I think I get what he's doing here. Um, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue, for they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Glory hogs. They wanted to hold on to the potato and burn their hands. Okay? They loved the big, long prayers. They loved the long phylacteries. They loved the titles. They loved thinking, as the Jesus Book Story Bible puts it, oh, they're the extra super holy ones. Okay, they, they have the keys to the kingdom. They, they get to say who comes in and offers sacrifices and who's left outside of the gate. Man, they're gods, and they love that. They, they'd say, yeah, I'm a god. Which is why when Jesus comes and he preaches the gospel and he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he's saying there's a new king in town, and it's not you. Okay, It's not 
me. I'm not the king of my own life, no matter how much I want to be the king of my own life. I will, under pressure and desire to be so perfect, because I want the glory of everybody else, I will break down in stress in my office trying to study for this, because I want your guys' glory. It's confession of sin. Okay? I want to be the God of my life. I want to be on the throne. Get me off, Lord. Confess, please be the king of my life. I make a terrible master of my own life. We all do. Okay? And, and, and he answers that prayer. It's called repentance. It's stop being the king of my own life. I want you to be the king of my life. I want to stop asking for the murderer, Kai, to be released at the expense of Jesus and instead say, Give me, give me Jesus and put the murderer to death. Okay? That's what, that's what Jesus wants of us. Okay? And then um, verse 17. So they're pretty with that, and, and Peter um, is going to tell them what to do. And so verse 17 through 21, uh, we'll read this together. It says, And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But, God, but what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. He's saying, I know you acted in ignorance. Um, so maybe they're thinking, okay, great, I'm off the hook. I didn't know what was going on. And partly that's true. I, they didn't understand the full ramifications of their choice to crucify the Messiah. And that's despite Jesus' clear teachings and miracles that he did um, throughout the gospel accounts. Um, but it doesn't excuse them in the kingdom economy. It doesn't excuse me. It doesn't excuse us in the kingdom economy. In 1 Timothy 1.13, Paul expressly links ignorance and unbelief when he says that he acted ignorantly in his unbelief. Okay, so, so there's this element of an intentionality in ignorance, that it's not because I didn't have enough information. It's that I didn't want to believe, and so I suppressed it. Okay, um, we'll turn to Romans 1, 18 through 21. Uh, you guys can turn there if you want, where you just let it wash over you. You guys are um, probably familiar with this passage. Um, verse 18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his in, um, invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they're without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Paul's saying everything that we need to know about God to be able to commit our life to him has been given to us. We walk outside and we see a tree grow from a seed and we know God's behind that. God's the bringer of life. We look up in the stars and we see his glory and we say God must be behind that. Um, but the inevitable and the needed next step is to say, okay, so what does that mean for me that there's a God here? How does that inform my life? I want to press in and I want to know God. And, and he would say here in verse 17, this has been his plan all through the prophets. We have scripture right here. We want to know something about God? We can go to scripture. We want to know something about God? He says, you have access to me. Come, bring, bring what you have questions about to me. 
unfettered access to the throne of God. And to the, to the audience here, to the, to the, um, to the crowd in the, in the temple, by the temple gate, um, he would have said, it's, it is all through the prophets. And not only that, but it's all through the Pentateuch, too. Moses talked about it. Abraham talked about it. And their pattern of their preaching all points to Jesus Christ, the coming Savior and Messiah. And so they were out without excuse. We are uh, without excuse. Which begs the question, what, or a few questions rather, what sins or ungodly patterns of life are we protecting in the name of ignorance? Okay, things like, I didn't know it was wrong. Do we not have the spirit of God dwelling within us that will convict us? And that's a gift. That's not like a bummer. That's like, okay, I know what I need to do. The Lord is convicting me deep in my heart. And we have the spirit residing in us. So ignorance in that way is unacceptable. Are we, are we attempting to call the shots in our own life under the false pretext that, well, I don't really know the will of God. We don't know the will of God because we're not praying, your will be done and your kingdom come. And God is faithful to answer that prayer when we pray it. Your will be done, not mine, and he'll answer it. We just step out in it. We pray it wholeheartedly and step out into it. Or are we entertaining various sins in our life because we're telling ourselves, I can't overcome it. Okay? I, have, I have been there. I was there for a very long time. And, and God says, you're not slaves to sin. I haven't given you a spirit of slavery to fall back into sin. I've given you a spirit of freedom. Now you can say no to that sin that you've been struggling with for five years because the God of the universe wants to do it with you. And be in that with you. He's given us a heart of flesh, not a heart of stone. He's given us new covenant power um, to do that. And so what do we, so what do, we do with that? Um, here's what Peter says. He says in verse 19, Repent, therefore again, that your sins might be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. He says, so what do we do with that? We repent. We stop trying to suppress the truth in our own hearts, and we just, and we give up. Say, all right, Lord, this is hard, this is hard work trying to justify my own sin. I'm tired of it, and it's kicking my butt. Lord, I'm done. Will you please refresh my soul? And that's the prayer. And I don't know if you guys have ever like forgot to drink water all day and then you, and then you go to bed at night, you lay your head on your pillow and you wake up at two or three in the morning and you're like, oh man, I'm so thirsty. And so you go into the kitchen and you get a drink of water, nice and cold, and you drink it and you just feel it like wash down your chest. Oh, that was a good drink. Do you guys know that feeling? Such a good feeling. That's, that's what God is saying. He's saying repent so you can have that feeling in a spiritual sense. So you can know that, that, that my sin has been confessed and that God, the God of the universe, is faithful and just to forgive that sin and then to cleanse me from it. Cleanse us from that unrighteousness. And we can live our lives out in the light of Christ saying, man, you have made me new and I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. I'm going to leap. I'm going to praise God because you are cleansing me, Lord. And, and that's what he wants. That's what he wants for us. That's his heart. Okay. 
So that's the, that's the prophets in general. The prophets all spoke about the plan of God to save through Jesus. Um, not only the prophets, but Moses in verse 22 says, Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you, and it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaimed these days. So about Moses, the way that Moses prefigures Jesus, he's saying uh, Moses had a certain authority and Jesus has the culmination of that authority. So when Jesus says repent, he's not just saying, do you want to repent? He's not just saying, this could be a good thing for you. Okay? He's saying repent or perish. Two options, repent, perish. And I want desperately for you to repent, he would say. And he says that with authority. With Moses, they're cut off from the people. With Jesus, you're cut off from the presence of the Lord for eternity if we do not repent. So it comes with authority and it comes with an immediate need and calling to make that decision right now, this very moment. He says, do it so that times of refreshing and the blotting out of our sin might come. Okay, not only Moses, but Abraham spoke of it. And let's see how Abraham spoke of the time of Jesus. He said, you are the sons, this is verse 25, you are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your father, saying, Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Blessing. That's why Jesus calls us to repentance. He wants us to be blessed. He doesn't call us to repentance so that we can uh, just have a pretty crummy time in life, so that we can just bear our burdens as in gloomy ways and oh man he doesn't call us to repentance so that he might rain on our parade or spoil our fun or take what's really dear to us away from us um he says i want to bless you i want you to stop being the king of your own life because you know full well that you don't make a good king i want to be the king of your life so i can bless you care for you keep you give you all the new covenant benefits of walking with me be there with you through the thick and thin. Take all of your mistakes, all of your heartaches, all of the hard things from your day and turn them for my glory and your good so that I can progressively make you look more like me in all the right ways. It's, that's what he wants to do. He wants to be with us. He wants to be our God and have our hearts. Blessing. Okay. So verse 26 is Peter's Final call. He says, God, having raised up his servant, sent him to you first. So this is not just, just the guy that you guys crucified. True, you guys crucified him, but that was not the last say. That by death, God, that Jesus defeated death, that he was raised to new life. Okay, he sent him to you guys, the Jewish people first, to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Really quick, look at that verse. Who does the turning there? Who does the turning? God. God does the turning. <laughs> to bless you by God turning every one of you from your wickedness. He doesn't say pick yourself up by your bootstraps and just walk your way out of sin. Walk your way up to heaven's door. He doesn't say that. He says bow your knee before me. The king of the universe. And I will turn you from your wickedness. And I will instead 
bless you. I will refresh you. I will blot out your sin. Ask me to do it. I want to do it so desperately. It's a gift, he would say to you. So the challenge is, what are we going to choose? To be the king of our life and keep hitting dead ends? Or are we going to say, you're the true king, Jesus. Have your way in my life today. Okay, let's let's bow our heads and, and pray. Lord, thank you for the good news that we are not the kings. (laughs) That you are the king seated on the throne, Lord. And that you achieve your purposes. That one day, Lord, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that you are the Lord. So I pray this morning that you will just continue to work on our hearts, Lord. Continue in increasing amounts to enable us to bow our knee before you, Lord, and worship you as the God of the universe and stop worshiping ourselves, Lord, so that we might go forth in victory, walking and leaping and praising you. So we thank you that you want to display your glory through us. Pray that we would walk in that today and, and every day following. In your name, amen. Thank you for joining us at Hauser Community Church Online. Check back next week for the next unpacking of the Word of God. Please feel free to contact us with any questions you might have about the message or for pastor at area code 541-756-2591 or email us at pray at hauserchurch.org. Again, that's P-R-A-Y at H-A-U-S-E-R-C-H-U-R-C-H dot O-R-G. Our address is 69411 Wildwood Road, North Bend, Oregon. 97459. Remember, if you're seeking the truth, it will set you free. And that truth is Jesus Christ.